Well, Merry Christmas, Abundant Life Church, and welcome. We are so glad that you're here celebrating Christmas with us. My name is Bob, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here at ALC, and I am joined by our three other incredible teaching pastors, David Grigg, Aaron Baker, and Aaron Walton. And today we get to share this message together, and we're really excited about that. But before we dive into the message, I thought it'd be a good idea just to let everyone get to know us a little bit with a simple, fun question surrounding what your holidays are going to look like. Uh, So for each of you guys, this year, uh, what is your favorite Christmas tradition in years past, and what will you definitely be doing like today and tomorrow? Yeah, I, I can start. Um, as, as you can tell by everything about my appearance, I am very, very Swedish. I know it's a huge surprise to everyone, but because uh, of my heritage, uh, our, our family table, our Christmas Eve dinner is very seafood-centric. And so we like to share a, uh, a bowl of clam chowder, oyster stew, and we crack open the pickled herring. Uh, I know nothing says Christmas like a freshly opened <laughs> jar of pickled herring, uh, but that's us. Um, but really, aside from the menu... I think we just so enjoy uh, just gathering around together, sharing that warm meal uh, before we open presents together. And then what's been really fun is my wife's family is Norwegian. And so we've been loving just passing on these traditions to our kids from Scandinavia and really discovering some new ones along the way as well. So, Man, that's awesome, David. Anybody at home, maybe you've got your pickled herring around the table right now. You guys pickled herring. (laughs) That sounds great. Uh, Pastor Aaron, what about you? Yeah, so we have four kids at home and we do something called Advent Adventures. So beginning December 1st and then all the way up to Christmas, every day we do something Christmassy and it varies in simplicity from sipping hot cocoa, having a candy cane, driving around looking at Christmas lights to then, you know, Peacock Lane and Zoo Lights. Some of these things are shut down and we've had to be really creative. Today, Christmas Eve is actually my favorite part of Advent Adventures because we give each of our siblings, uh, each of our children, um, ornaments that represent something meaningful or, or that represent them from the year. And so when they are 18 and they move out of our home, we will give them 18 ornaments starting from their first Christmas to begin their own adult collection. And every year it's so special for me, to, my siblings and I, it's a, a tradition that we've carried on from my parents. And so uh, they, my little people are hanging my childhood <laughs> ornaments on our tree. Wow. And I just, we don't have like a, a beautiful tree. We have a really full of love tree. Yeah. So you're guaranteeing that by 18, all your kids are going to be out of your house. <laughs> you heard that it here tonight. Amazing. Yes. Bold prediction, ladies and gentlemen. Good luck with that. Uh, for, uh, for me and my family, it's very similar to uh, David and we share just a meal uh, together and it's uh, my favorite Christmas Eve tradition. Uh, it's always the same elements, uh, Caesar salad, baked potato, uh, eggnog, and shrimp. I don't know why that's the combination of food. That no, we no pickled herring. In no there? pickled herring whatsoever. Uh, but I love this meal. It's so much fun. Uh, sadly, for the last couple of years, I haven't actually been able to participate in this Christmas Eve meal because of the normal responsibilities of church. Um, and so this year, for the first time in four years, I actually get to spend Christmas Eve with my family and share in this meal. And I am so excited. I'm going to eat shrimp until I get sick. So, <laughs> Wow. I mean, I love shrimp, Aaron, but I'm thinking now about just throwing up 
shrimp, and I that got, doesn't that I gotta doesn't make sound up very for four great. years, okay, Bob? That's what I got to do. It's just, I that's my responsibility. Wow. I know for me and my wife, our Christmas tradition is uh, just spending a ton of time in the car together. Uh, you know, my family, uh, my parents were divorced growing up, so I, I grew up going to two homes, and then I got married, and now there's three homes to go to. I don't know if you've seen the movie Four Christmases, but this is very much our Christmas experience, driving from one house to the next. And it doesn't sound that exciting, but we love this. You know, we really soak up time with our family, especially living so far away from our family. But what I've heard, now that my wife is pregnant and we're gonna have a child, I hear that when you have children, family actually comes to you. You guys all have kids. Is there any oh, truth yeah. to this? Where the grandkids are, the grandparents follow. Oh, this is, <laughs> yeah. that's this phenomenal. Is uh, I think my parents are watching, so hopefully they will take that advice. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but I know one tradition I'm sure so many of us have revolves around the actual message of Christmas, the birth of Jesus. Uh, for you and your family, maybe it's uh, sitting at home and reading the Christmas story together. Uh, for many of you, maybe it's just checking out a church service around Christmas time, or uh, maybe it's tuning into one online. And we are so glad that you're here for this one. At Abundant Life, we have been in a teaching series throughout all of December called Let Every Heart. We got the title from the song, Joy to the World, uh, where there's a line in the song that says, let every heart prepare him room. And that's been our goal this, this uh, December. You know, we've been preparing room for Jesus. And we've talked about several different Advent themes, like preparing room for joy and peace and hope. And today we are talking about preparing room for love. Our hope today by the end is that you will uh, believe and know and understand that love arrived fully in the person of Jesus. He is the perfect embodiment of love. And together we're gonna unpack that as we go. So if you have a Bible with you, we're gonna, we wanna invite you to get that and turn to Matthew chapter one, uh, where we're gonna read the Christmas story together. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We're gonna put these verses on the screen as well. Uh, but we wanna invite you to read this passage with us. Uh, beginning in verse 18, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. I mean, this is the, the pinnacle moment of the story, right? This is what Christmas is all about. This birth of Jesus, the baby is born. And, and I think the, the theme of love is just so powerful in these brief verses. And so what I'd love to do with you guys is just unpack that theme of love that we see here. And even though Christmas is all about the love of God for us, 
I think we see love embodied here by several different people, really starting with Jesus' parents, Joseph and Mary. Uh, Pastor Aaron, would you just kick us off with that love of Joseph? Yeah, I always have found uh, the character of Joseph very interesting because I find that he is such like a secondary character in this story. Like he doesn't get far enough attention as maybe Mary does. And yet, as we read through this, and as I look at these just couple verses, I see such an example of agape love shown in the life of Joseph. And what I mean when I say agape love is this idea of the highest version of love that it talks about in scripture, a love that is defined uh, by humility and sacrifice. And humility is this idea that we put the needs and the wants of others ahead of ourselves. And sacrifice is that we're willing to give up anything that we can in order to serve and honor that other person. And again, I see that so beautifully displayed in Joseph. And you see kind of him take like one step in the right direction as the scripture talks about how he was going to quietly divorce Mary after realizing that she was pregnant and not necessarily uh, by his doing. And I love how this is just a wonderful display of Joseph giving, you know, this sacrificial, humble-like love. Now, for the time and for the context and the culture of Joseph's day, he would have been more than justified to completely publicly kind of abandon and divorce Mary. Everybody in the community would have thought that would have been the normal way Joseph should have reacted. But instead, we see Joseph make a choice to protect Mary, to, to do something in quiet so that she's not put up for public disgrace. And then I love how the angel shows up, right? And then not only points him in that right direction, but encourages him to take now a bigger step forward and invite Mary into his home as his wife. Again, a beautiful display of humble and sacrificial love because Joseph was basically going countercultural. He was doing something radically different than anybody would have expected by taking the humiliation, taking the slings and arrows of his community. And instead of protecting himself and protecting his name and reputation, He takes Mary in, claims her as his wife and protects her in this beautiful way and in obedience to God and the way that he is going to live out this love. My life group right now, we're walking through a book called The Meaning of Marriage by Timothy Keller. Amazing book, I'd highly recommend it. And one of the things that he talks about is the secret and the essence of marriage. Really, it's the secret and essence of all relationships. And what he says is the key component is this idea of sacrificial love. Self-giving love is the essence and the secret of all relationships. And one of the things that he says in his book is this, it is a loss of pride and self-will that leads a person to humbly serve others. Again, this is the love that I see in Joseph, that he was willing to put his pride and reputation on the altar and sacrifice it to protect Mary. This is also the love that we will then see in full display when his son is born and lives and does his ministry. We begin to see agape love, the highest form of love defined in the ministry of Jesus. And then it's perfected when that same son, when Jesus Christ lays his life on the cross, when he humbly chooses to sacrifice himself so that we may be saved and that we may have communion in a relationship with the living God. I love this story. I love the character of Joseph because he is a great example for me personally, how I should be living out and how I should be responding in that same self-giving, humble, 
and sacrificial love. Man, that's so beautiful and so powerful. And what I especially love is that idea that, that love is, is an intentional decision. It's a sacrificial decision. It's not that like involuntary, reactive, emotional love, but rather I'm going to give something up or risk giving something up in order to display love. Um, I think we also just see love in so many different facets in the, in the person of Mary uh, as we look at this story. You know, it's not really expounded on in, in, in Matthew as it is in Luke, uh, but the love that Mary has for, for God is so clear in the story of Christmas. You know, unlike other miraculous pregnancies in Scripture, and, and if you look through the Scriptures, it's actually surprisingly common how many miraculous pregnancies there are. But Mary is unique in that she didn't ask for this, that she wasn't desperate for a child. She was preparing for a marriage. She was preparing for a wedding day. There was this, this future already set out for her, and she's approached with th- this angel who, who says, God is inviting you into something new, and she consents to it that really God is inviting her to this rather than her asking for this. And it's a risk for her. It's a sacrifice of, of her body, right? Uh, going through an unexpected uh, pregnancy and a, and a sacrifice, a risk of her reputation. Because this is a pregnancy that people will not understand. It's news that, that she can receive, but not news that, that her friends and family may receive in the same way. And yet her love for God and this yet to be born Jesus drives her to say to the angel, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then in Luke 1, we find this beautiful poem. We call it the Song of Mary, where Mary responds to this news that she will be the mother of the Messiah in in just pure worship. It's just a remarkable passage to look at. But then think about the love that she shows to her fiance, right? Uh, Aaron was just talking about this is, is, is incredible news in not such a good way to Joseph, right? That, that this child is going to be born. It's not going to be able to be explained in, in such a great way uh, or an easy way. But Mary chooses to share it with Joseph right away and risk. Maybe he will divorce her quietly. Maybe something else will pan out, not the future that she had in mind. But n- rather than try to conceal it or hide it, she brings it before Joseph and risks her relationship with him, uh, even though she's already accepted this journey uh, to be the mother of the Messiah. And then the love that she shows to Jesus is so clear as she, she seeks the safety for this child, uh, going to try to find a room at an inn and, and doesn't find any, and then goes and finds a stable, uh, uh, any kind of shelter uh, to bring this new baby uh, into the earth, uh, to bring uh, God's entrance uh, on, onto earth. But then uh, having to travel all the way to Egypt, this is later in the story, to escape this government that's, that's trying to find this newborn king and having to escape and, and go to a new land just for that child's safety. And then we fast forward through the Gospels, right? We, we see Mary's love as a mother through the narrative of the Gospels all the way up to Calvary as Mary sits at the foot of the cross, grieving the loss of her son right in front of her. You know, as as we look at the Christmas story, one of the most beautiful things in the character of Mary is we see this threefold love present in this one story. Mary loves God, is a servant of God. She loves her betrothed, her fiancé Joseph, and she loves Jesus as she anticipates his birth and as she welcomes him into the world. It's just a beautiful thing. 
Yeah, I mean, such incredible examples of love, right? You got Mary and Joseph, uh, two people who we very much anticipate to be in the Christmas story. We've heard of them before, uh, but there's one person that I see loving in this story that we don't normally talk about a ton and it might be weird, but it's the angel. Yeah, I, I think this is the angel Gabriel. That's what most scholars would say. It's the same angel that appears elsewhere throughout the Christmas story. And every time an angel appears in scripture, the humans to whom they're appearing are always terrified. And you watch as the angel kind of calms them down and, and then invites them to participate in what God is doing. And I, I think we often overlook the angel in this story, the, the, especially the love of the angel. You know, I, I think we see love of the angel, both in his obedience to God, his willingness to be God's messenger, but we also see the love of the angel in his concern for Joseph. Like Pastor Aaron said, Joseph's tra- like life trajectory will now be radically different because the angel appears to him. You know, the angel clearly loves God. He clearly has compassion for Joseph. And I think that's what love looks like when it's lived out. You know, I would put it this way. Love lived out is obedience to God and compassion for others. And I think the angel exemplifies both of these. The entire law, according to Jesus, like the whole thing, the 10 commandments and the hundreds of laws passed down by centuries of rabbis and priests. Jesus says it's all summed up in love your God and love others. And I think the angel exemplifies both of these. He does them both perfectly. Although arguably not as perfectly as Jesus, right? It's it's true. The arrival of Jesus is very literally the arrival of love. Uh, To fully grasp the magnitude and weight of this love, it's imperative that we recognize how sin creates a gap, a space, a divide between us and our creator. You know, we were created by God for relationship with him. And so when humanity chooses sin, we are breaking this covenant, this love covenant. And in his benevolence and love for us, he makes a way. We are the offenders and yet he uh, sends his son Jesus to atone for our sins. You know, we get to read the Christmas story. It's not just, oh, baby Jesus, there he is. We have the whole picture, right? From when we begin it, we can read all of scripture and see the testimony of Jesus's life, the way that he grew up and lived and loved people radically, sacrificially, ultimately going to the cross for you, for me. The angel's instruction to name this baby Jesus, Jesus quite literally means God saves. And then we're told, that Jesus is Emmanuel, God saves, and God is with us. What better picture of love than God sending his son Jesus to take on the vulnerability and fragility of a human while maintaining his divinity and holiness as God so that we could live forever with him. I wanna look at Luke chapter two, verse six and seven, just because it does give us more of a description of that actual moment, you know, Jesus being born. Verse six says, while they, Joseph and his pregnant wife, were there in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for him. Verse 19 then says, but Mary treasured up 
all these things and pondered them in her heart. And I love what all of you have done in in uh, seeing and speaking to the love in these various characters in this story. And I see it too, you know, Joseph standing nearby. To those of you fathers, to those of you fathers watching, maybe you can tap into the experience when your wife was going to birth your child. <laughs> I'm seeing some scared faces even still, Bob, very soon you will know. Very much looking forward. I, I'm still scared today, so I'm still living that. So, but, but truly, here he is in this stable. This is not an ideal birthing room. You know, wow. what are those emotions that Joseph is having? Um, you know, feeling maybe scared, excited, but grossly underprepared, unprepared. And then I do imagine the angel, actually a host of angels crowding around maybe holding their breath, just hoping to get a glimpse of the Christ child. This is like holy ground moment, right? As a mother, it's impossible for me to not enter into this story through the lens of being a mother. I imagine Mary exhausted, um, scared, likely in pain, because that's part of childbirth, everybody. Um, you know, maybe even shaking from the physical trauma she's just experienced birthing this child in these conditions. And yet I think about the overflowing and abundant joy from deep within her being as she gazes down lovingly at her child as she feeds this wrinkly and cooing infant who also happens to be a member of the Holy Trinity. (laughs) How overflowing and full is her heart? Of course, because she knows the love of a mother now and she's looking at her baby, but also because she has never seen God like this before. The invisible God made visible as an infant born to a teenager, married to a humble carpenter. Love is tangible and Mary is quite literally holding love in her lap. As she snuggles this baby close and as she snuggles Emmanuel close, I just imagine her whispering, God is with us. Luke 2 verse 19 later says, Mary treasured and pondered these things in her heart. And so should we. Don't miss this. When you see Jesus, the eternal God made flesh sleeping in a manger, you realize there are no limits to God's love. There are no depths to which he will not descend. There is no place his love will not chase after us in his wild pursuit of our hearts. Jesus is love and he was sent in love. You know, he emptied himself, motivated by love, wholly and entirely to love me, to love you, to love all of you. Envisioning envisioning this scene begs the question, what if seeing Jesus surrounded by animals and shepherds in this stable on this cold Bethlehem night means that there is no place so lowly or common or dark that he won't break into? What if it's true that there is nothing in creation that can separate us from the love of our creator? No poverty, no addiction, no hopelessness, no pandemic can separate us. No place his love won't break into in order to redeem 
and transform and heal and make new because this is exactly what love does. It's who love is and his name is Jesus. Well, I don't, I don't know if you have a resounding amen at home, but amen. I mean, I would, I would go so far as to say this is the entirety of what our faith is built upon. Like this incredible love of God. And like Pastor Aaron said, and I love how you, say, you just don't miss this. You know, the love of God is all around us. There's no place that it can't reach. I think love is the example that Jesus sets for us. I also believe that he invites us to participate in love as well. Like there's an invitation there, uh, which leads me to a question. And I would just love to close here with your thoughts on this. Uh, Cause 2020 has been a year that if we're just watching the local news stations, you know, it has been a year marked by anything but love, right? There's been just panic and fear and division, right? So in a year marked by anything but love, where have you guys seen love tangibly in 2020? Where have you guys experienced it? I'd love to start on this one because I've experienced it in abundance. This is uh, a hard year and I can say, honestly, the hardest year of my life. And, um, you know, we were in transition this summer and we sold a home and the home we were purchasing was having some delays and kept falling through, it ultimately fell through. But in that time, we're like, my husband and I, like, okay, Lord, help us. And we have friends, uh, Brett and Brandy, who reached out, offered to us, we didn't ask, offered to store all of our belongings in their home for an indefinite amount of time. It's all still there, people. (laughs) Like, that's annoying. Like, that's like, they offered something that, that is kind of annoying. And guess what? They also helped us move it in there. I suspect they'll help us move it out. Can you guys? Okay, no, sorry. Uh, I, I also, we had friends, Adam and Mel, who without, just move in with us. Like, oh, we have a family of six, remember? And one of those people is a newborn. And one of those people is like a postpartum mother. And they're like, yes, come in as long as you need. And we stayed with them in their home. And, you know, if you're thinking, who are these people? Who are the type of people to extend these generous offers, these loving offers? And they're people who love Jesus. There are people who have leaned so much into his love that they have taken on love, the likeness of Christ in the way that they pour out generously and and make these extravagant love offerings. Maybe in the moment, they don't even feel like we're gonna love them this way. It's just natural. It's just, it's this extension of God's love and grace through them and to us. And wow, are our hearts filled even in the hardest year of our life. That's amazing, Aaron. And I, know, I just know Aaron and her husband, Travis. And I mean, you guys are just an incredible example of boldness and courage. And you guys probably- Maybe a little crazy. Maybe a little maybe crazy. a little crazy. But you guys probably could have done this on your own. And yet God loved you and he used people to do it. It's such an incredible encouragement. Uh, Pastor Aaron, where, where have you seen love in 2020? Yeah, you know, over uh, these last couple of months, I actually experienced one of the most beautiful uh, expressions of love I've ever had in my entire life. Um, you know, just to be honest, the, these last, this last season has been really, really difficult. I feel like I've been walking through a pretty dark uh, place, emotionally exhausted, uh, tired at times, uh, feeling sometimes just this loneliness that uh, I'm, I'm all by myself, that nobody cares what I'm going through and that nobody actually wants to make the effort to kind of see how I'm doing. And so it's just a really, 
a tough place. And it was during that tough place that I got a phone call one day uh, from one of my favorite people on the face of the planet. Uh, her name is Trina. I get to work with her here at the church. And she was just calling just to see how I'm doing. Um, and that in of itself was just a beautiful expression of love. But she said to me that, uh, I'm going to see how you're doing, but you're not allowed to ask me any questions about myself. And I said, what? You can't, you can't put rules and regulations on a conversation like this. That's not fair. And she's like, I know how you operate. I know that if I allowed you to ask me how I'm doing, you're going to dominate the conversation with putting it on me. And I want this conversation to just be for you. And I'm telling you, it was such a beautiful moment where I was able to be completely and totally transparent and honest. I was able to share the, the hard that I'm going through and then receive love and affirmation and was reminded that I'm not alone and that people actually do care for me. It's a moment I will never forget for the rest of my life. Wow. I mean, church, if you don't know, Pastor Aaron uh, oversees a lot here at the church, but one of those things is pastoral care. And he is just constantly uh, praying for people, caring for people. I always overhear his phone calls. He's praying for someone. And I'm just so grateful that someone was there to just love and care for you. Uh, Way to go, Trina. A shout out to you. I'm sure you're watching. Uh, That is just amazing. Super encouraging. Uh, Pastor Dave, finish us out. Where have you seen love in 2020? Yeah, well, my, my wife Haley had surgery earlier this fall and, um, and she's recovering well. Uh, it is going well. But as we were preparing for surgery, we knew it was going to be kind of a lengthy uh, recovery. Uh, and so we st- started just sharing with our life group some of the things that would be helpful. They were asking just what we would need. And, and one of the things that came up was meals. And so they designed a, a meal train for us to uh, have just people from our church family, our friends and family, uh, bring us meals or send gift cards. Uh, so that's one less thing to worry about while uh, Healy's recovering and, and I'm taking care of the kids and working with distance learning and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and we just initially said that, you know, two to three weeks of meals would be uh, just really helpful. And I think at that point we could uh, take it over and, and make it work. But we were just overwhelmed by the response, especially from our church family, um, by how many people wanted to just step in and and help in that way. And at this point, I have not cooked a meal for my family for well over a month, Uh, which if you know me, that's that's pretty remarkable (laughs) that I'm able to say that. But it's been such a relief that that's one thing I don't have to worry about. And I remember a couple of weeks ago sharing with a couple of people, I think I can handle it at this point. I think I can can take care of it. And I'll always remember uh, the one one response specifically that I got from someone uh, who said, "I, I know you probably could take care of it but you don't have to. And to me, that was such a, uh, an example of a loving community, right? Where, uh, where there was a need. And then even when it's not so much a need anymore, we're just doing this because we love you. It's not just that you can't do it. It's, it's that I just want to serve you. I want to step in and take care of you in this way. And it's been a lesson for our family to just humbly receive that love and not just try to push through with what we are able to, what's in our capacity, but recognize we're a part of a loving community. Amen. I mean, again, I hope you guys at home are just encouraged. For me, hearing stories of love is, is so encouraging. And what I love is that whether or not they knew it, you know, these guys who you've experienced love from, whether or not they knew it, they were participating in the love of God. You know, they were participating in what God was doing. You experienced the love of God through them. And John 13, 35, uh, Jesus is speaking and he says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And because like Pastor Aaron said, Jesus is the perfect example of love. So of course, when we participate in love, people know we follow Jesus. And so before we leave you this Christmas, I would ask you the question, each and every one of you, 
Have you experienced the love of Jesus? You know, maybe you too can reflect back on this year and see ways in which you've experienced the love of God. And maybe like some of us, it was through someone else. If you'd say, yes, I've experienced the love of God, I would then invite you and challenge you to participate in his love as well this season. Are there people in your life who need to experience the love of Jesus and maybe they can experience it through you? Maybe some of you, you're here today and you would answer that question honestly with a no. You know, maybe you have not experienced the love of Jesus. I would just reiterate what Pastor Aaron said uh, with this boldness that there is no place that the love of Jesus cannot reach. And our prayer is that it would reach you, that you would feel it and experience it. We believe that each of us have this invitation to experience the love of Jesus and then in turn also participate in that love as well. Like we said at the very beginning, and if you're taking notes, this is what we'd encourage you to write down. I'll leave you with this. Love arrived fully in the person of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm gonna turn it over to Pastor Aaron Walton. Would you just close us out, pray for us, and lead us into what's next? I'm just gonna spend a little bit of time just praying for two things. Um, number one, that we would all, as, as Bob and Aaron and David, all of us have said that we would truly experience the love of Jesus Christ today. And that we would also ask the Holy Spirit to give us the courage to take this message, to take this love that we have found and share it with a world that I think desperately needs to hear it. So wherever you are, let's just take a second and make this prayer together. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for the Advent season, Lord, that we get to celebrate Christmas, the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I just pray that every single person that can hear your message, Lord, would, would allow themselves the opportunity to claim for themselves your love, the transformational love of your son, Jesus Christ, today. Lord, let your blessings be poured out. Let us each and every one of us experience the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love that comes through your son, Jesus Christ. And then, Lord, I pray that you give us courage, that you give us the responsibility and the opportunity to take your gospel message, to take this gift, to take the truth of who you are and share it with those around us. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this season. And we thank you for the beautiful reminder that love has come. It is here today. And now we can take it and share it with those around us. In your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's my honor at this time to now pass it off to our Sandy Campus pastor, another one of my favorite people on the face of the planet, Pastor Bryce Ginther, who along with our worship team is gonna close out our Christmas service today as we just have a little bit more time, create a little space for us to reflect on the love of Jesus the message that he brought and the responsibility that we have to share it with those around us. Take us away, Bryce.